I think there is a minimal size, you know, um, but I like to think of them more as shapes. So whenever I'm designing a logo, I, I think of like squares and I think of circles. I don't think of small and minimal. I think of like, how will this work in a square? How will this work in a circle? Because if you think of, you know, favicons or social media profiles or Twitter profiles or LinkedIn profiles or whatever, headers on your website, yada, yada, yada. You're often talking that it, a logo needs to fit somewhere in a shape like this. Hi everyone, welcome to Design Draws, where we interview the most forward-thinking and innovative creators on the planet to inspire and help you to reach your full creative potential. In this episode, I chat with James Martin, founder of Made by James and co-founder of Baby Giant Design. He's based in the UK, focusing on crafting outstanding brand designs that have been winning many design awards. We talk about how to productize or let's say systemize your creative design process and how a designer can do that in order to scale their services and make that more efficient and actually have a service and process that you can reuse with multiple partners and become really good at it. We also learn about what makes a great logo and how designers can push forward brands with the right brand design, which kind of opportunities getting created with a great brand design for businesses. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, so I'm here with James Martin. Thank you so much for taking your time. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you inviting me along. Although you thought I was American when I'm actually English. So um, I didn't want you to get away with that. So I um, just thought I'd drop that in there to start off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I think this was due to the introduction that uh, was coming from Michael, who was uh, also in uh, the past episodes. We had a really good chat on, you know, the creative process and on the business side. And I think with you, I think we're going to jump more into sort of the creative process in the episode. We're looking forward to learn about your way of communicating design to stakeholders. So you're a logo designer, but you're going to talk a little bit more about yourself in, in the next minutes. Uh, yeah. and sort of like how did that process work and how does the client relationship work and your creative process. So looking yeah. forward to, to that. But I think, James, in your own words, maybe you can just give the audience a bit of context uh, about yourself. You have a lot of experience in, in brand communication, logo design for getting that for, for many, many years. And I think it would be great to get more insights from the, for the audience. Yeah, so yeah, for anybody that doesn't know me, which is probably a lot of people, I haven't got a big fan base in Germany, do you know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> um, but basically, um, yeah, my name is James Martin. I've been um, in the design world for over 17 years now um, within the design industry. Um, but over the last, I would say, I think it's close to seven years, I have niched, niched, focused down into brand identity and logo design. Um, and that is my full-time gig now. Um, I, I, I'm glad to call myself, because I, I do like to educate and help the other creatives of this world as well through Instagram and all the rest of it under like Made by James. Um, so I kind of like to say I build powerful brands, but I also build confidence in creators that's kind of where my kind of balance is but yeah for the sake of this podcast i can be james martin brand identity designer and we can go with that yeah because process is everything i think i think process ultimately is the key to success um i think it's the key to profit 
I think it's the key to sleeping at night. If creatives could nail their process, they would be very happy. I think that's why a lot of, a lot of creators or creatives struggle. I don't like to generalize too much, but I think from chatting to many, many thousands of creatives over the last um, seven years, there has definitely been uh, an issue. And that issue is generally around lack of process, I would suggest, because there's so many processes within processes. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. it'd be interesting to chat about it. Oh, yeah. And that's a great topic because, I mean, like the process, I mean, like you have to systemize it at the same time. You have to wiggle it and like change it depending on like who you talk to and like what are the client's needs as you're growing with that that requires some design maturity right and then that comes with experience to understand like okay like you know with with this type of client or with this type of project we need to have a bit more of that a bit more benchmarking a bit more of trend research etc or more time for the ideation so I think it totally agree. And uh, this is, you know, I think difficult, especially for people that are, you know, starting out to kind of understand like how you can do it. It also helps the the other side to understand what they're going to go through and what they can uh, expect, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I would actually, I would actually suggest that your process doesn't change for depending on the client. I think, I think that's, I think that is also, I think that's the problem that creates, some creatives do have is that they change their process depending on the client, which means that they actually become not as proactive as they should be. I mean, obviously, yeah, if, if somebody's coming in for a web project and somebody's coming in for a logo project, the processes are different. But if anybody comes in for a logo project, they all follow the same process. They all follow yeah, the yeah. same set of rules, the same process. Because I think that's how you become efficient in something. 100%, like 100%. Repeat, rinse and repeat, yeah. as they say. Exactly. That's how you become efficient and you can build your processes, etc. I was referring more to sort of like different client needs, but I'm totally yeah. agreeing like if it's, yeah. if it's about uh, a certain outcome that uh, you kind of uh, ask for, then, you know, that that totally makes sense to really systemize that process. That's how you become efficient. Uh, that's where you can build templates That's where you can build like processes, uh, documentation and, you know, really become efficient. I think that's sort of, the yeah, key. I think, the, I think the biggest struggle is having to change before I would change my personality based on the client. Cause some people are, some people are quite loud and jovial and fun. Some people are not. Do you know what I mean? And you do have to change how you approach some clients, I think, when it comes to like your character. Because I'm quite outspoken. I don't really, I swear a lot, which is not always good when it comes to clients. Um, curse or whatever you call it. But mm. I think maybe that's one, one thing that definitely does have to be tweaked is you have to kind of read your client quite a lot. So for somebody who's a bit more quiet and a bit more shy, maybe you are a little bit softer with them. Somebody who is a bit louder and a bit more excitable, you can be a bit more loud and excitable. I think, as you said, like being able to read the client is an important trait, I think, or skill that designers should definitely learn. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And that's sort of actually it's a hardcore sales skill as well. I mean, like it's yeah. called, you know, salespeople call it mirroring, for example, right? So yeah. like you basically... You know, you uh, if you're trying to sell some something to someone wearing a suit, uh, well, I I'm not so sure if you need to wear one, but I think you should kind of like you know think a little bit about like always the context 
that you know who are you talking to and sort of like um you know people like to talk to like-minded people they say that's just they do they yeah, at least like people that can at least understand them i think yeah i think yeah people like to i think yeah people generally like to feel comfortable around other people yeah and i don't think necessarily we need to like totally change who we are but i think no, we no, can no. Res- i think we can respect like what other people want and i think that's a big you know, big skill, especially in the creative industry, because um, they, they are seeking out individuals. They do want creative work. They do want a creative person. But you sometimes do have to control what comes out of your mouth <laughs> and what you wear. Do you know what I mean? You know, I put a mm. shirt on today. I was naked a minute ago. So, yeah, it's because I'm on a podcast. So, you know, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, yeah. Think, I didn't think you'd want that on a Friday. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that's sort of an interesting maybe topic to to dig into. I mean, uh, you of course you have a certain visual style that you are having. I think that you know maybe can people can people that using the video version of this podcast they can see it in the background. Yeah, and they can also see it in the uh, the website links and and um, yeah links we're gonna put into the show notes for people to check out. They can definitely mm-hmm. recommend to check out the work from James and but I think like what's what's interesting is that you have this identity you have some so from the outside it appears like some consistency with your work but at the same time you have to deal with different client needs of course they choose maybe you to kind of to work with them but at the same time maybe the needs are different right maybe you have to design something that's way more soft than like what yeah. you maybe usually do or maybe something that's maybe more elegant than you usually do or something that's more rough than you usually do it how do you deal with that balance between sort of maybe something the sort of the the needs of what the business actually what would be best for the business and what would be best for the brand and their goals and at the same time maybe the reason why they actually got in touch with you in the first place your maybe visual consistency and your own sort of flavor mm. yeah it's a it's a very interesting topic yeah because like you say they've seen my work which is why which is why they've reached out to me and they like the way I work um but like you say at the same time every client is different every client has a different set of needs um every client um has a different audience um so these are all things that are always at the forefront whenever I'm kind of going through the creative process um so there's obviously you know I mean, I don't niche, so I am niched within brand identity and logo design, but I don't just do logo design for the hospitality trade or mm-hmm. just um, brewery companies or anything like that. I tend to, you know, if you need a logo, whatever industry you're in, I'll do it. I'll smash it. That's kind of my thing. I think if you can do a logo for one industry, you can use those principles and mindsets and creativity to create for any other industry. So I think some people do niche themselves into a corner somewhat but yeah I'll design for anybody but a lot of the golden nuggets and the ideas and the thoughts are heavily influenced by workshops at the beginning of the project their briefs that me and the client um, work out together uh, mood boards you know so a client will come to me And they'll need a logo and it will have a job to do. That is always on my mind. But at the same time, they have come to me for how I think. So I can 
use my thinking style to execute something unique for them based on their needs. So what I've got to remember, although like my personal brand, my personal style, you know, beard, classic designer look, do you know what I mean? You know, tattoos or whatever. I don't um, push that onto the creative. That's my personal brand. That's where the detachment is. My job is to create and use my mind to create them a brand identity and a logo that works for their audience. So there is an element of stripping back a style. So I wouldn't ever place my style on them, but they have, like I said, paid for the way I think and how I execute. So that style remains, but my loves remove are removed somewhat, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I think there are a couple of interesting points here. I mean, like number one, I think you talk about the process, right? And systemizing the process. And I mean, if your process, like to your point of like being to a vertical or being to a niche, if you have defined a good process that always includes empathy, that always includes understanding the, uh, the other side, right? Uh, then you automatically, uh, you have, th that's sort of like part of your thinking. That's part of the process, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, that automatically gonna make sure you kind of like adjust your direction, right? And yeah. I think the other interesting thing is that you say, okay, well, maybe they, they come because what they can see from the craft side, but it's actually the thinking, right? Uh, that's sort of the, the thinking, then the process, the consistency is actually not the outcome. But, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah. I don't personally think that, you know, or the, the way I like to think is like clients don't come to me for a logo. They come to me for the way I think. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I think yeah, that's, yeah. I think if a lot of, I think a lot of creatives could actually understand their worth a bit more, you know, and I think a lot of creatives undervalue themselves, especially logo designers, brand identity designers, they undervalue that they work, they do because they think they're just creating a logo, a thing, you know, uh, a particular, you know, icon or type that is what they're buying, but they're buying so much more than that. They're buying your brain and that's where the money is. You know, that is where, That's where all the gold is. Um, so I, th I always like to kind of like reframe it slightly. It's like, you know, people, you're not, if a client comes to me and there's like, you know, I want a logo and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's great. But you're actually coming to me for my mind. That's what you're paying for. You know, mm -hmm. anybody can execute a logo. You can go onto Fiverr and get a logo, but you can't get this brain on Fiverr. That's the kind of the difference. I don't know if you've got Fiverr over there, which is like a, Online, yeah, 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 course, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's the kind of way I like to reframe it, and that's when you can start to get people to understand the value. You know, 17 years, you know, best-selling author on creativity, logo course, quarter of a million followers on Instagram. You know, seven, like I said, 17 years in the industry. You know, these are the. This is what people are buying. They're not buying a logo because they can go and buy that anywhere. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's yeah. it's quite an interesting conversation. Yeah, uh, you know, the buy. I think this the strategic aspect. I think that is sort of like the underrated one, right? And uh, I mean, it's tough if you if you still need to educate a, a client for that. I mean, uh, right? I mean, in best case, they understand that 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 that's that's the reason why they work with you. That process, 
Um, it is and- different. The most difficult thing is like for any creative is on getting your client to understand the value. That is, you know, they're like some people will come to me and they'll go, you know, I, I'm always kind of like very open and transparent. So I was like, so what budget are we working to? What, yeah, you know, I need to understand, like you've come to me for brand identity, you know, brand identity is so big, you know, there's a lot of things in brand identity. Logo is one of those small things within brand identity. What, what can we achieve together? What kind of budget are we working with? And clients often have no idea, you know, no idea what it costs, no idea the process, no idea how you get to the outcome. They just know (laughs) they want a logo, you know, and that's all they know. So trying to educate your clients, I think is like one of the toughest things is to get them to understand the power of what this thing, what this thinking does for their brand. That's yeah, trying to get them to understand the value is one of the well, definitely one of the toughest things. Yeah, it's the difference between the output and the outcome, right? You could say, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. The output might be just a logo, right? But the outcome yeah. might be completely different, right? Yeah, yeah. The and, output uh, is a logo, and, it all, and all that yeah. that requires that strategic process, right? And yeah, um, yeah the impact is going to be different. I mean, it's two logos, but like yeah. one logo has been thinking a lot more about like what it actually creates on the other side and. And how does that match the business, uh, et cetera. So, yeah. But like uh, you say as well, like the output is a logo, but the outcome could be multi-million pound company in three years. To, you know what I mean? So is that getting people to understand that without this output, that outcome can't happen? Do you know what I mean? That is, that is where we try that's especially where I try and lead clients now as you know, cause I'm always quite intrigued. I ask a lot of questions, you know, so where does you, where do you want your company to be in three to five years? Where do you want it to be in 10 years? And some of the questions, some of the answers are like, well, you know, 10 million turnover, billion turnover. And I'm like, and you want to spend a thousand bucks on your logo, but you want to be making a billion you know, have a grip, mate. The only way you're going to get there is with this solid brand identity. So let's try and figure out some numbers, shall we? You know, because that's what I think people just, there's, they don't place enough. I don't think, I think, I think people are starting to now. I think people, I mean, there are lots of clients who do understand the importance, the value of proper brand identity, proper strategy, proper marketing, proper advertising, but there are also many that don't. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it is quite interesting. It's one of the funniest things that I always, you know, somebody says, I talk to them and they're like, oh yeah, I want to be turning over a million next year. Uh, okay. So what's the budget? A uh, hundred bucks. And I'm like, no, get lost. See you later. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just crazy. Crazy. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's there's still, a, I think, a, a long way to go. And, um, uh, you know, I, the, the the other thing is that it, it may look so easy. It may look so visual and it looks so, uh, you know, but I think what people don't understand is that that whole that experience to actually do that also efficient. And like you said, the process, yeah. right? You don't develop yeah. the process. You develop this process. You craft it over multiple years to get to the best results in the shortest amount of time. And, and so that's what people buy, right? And understanding that, I think, 
And I think referring to like what the outcome is and how does that connect again to the budget they want to invest into design kind of makes sense as well. I think that's a, a, a also a very practical maybe takeaway for the audience to think a little bit about that as well. Like what is your what is your audience actually intending with their with their goals and how does that match with what they are want yeah. to invest into the the project and you know and and I think like one of the best things is always to think about what could you how could your project contribute to these goals. Right. Mm. So I think like a really good way to to sell design is is to to actually and talk about the business benefits of having a like one of the topics that is big on this podcast, of course, user experience design, right? Mm -hmm. um, digital um, product design, like you know, what are the business benefits of actually making it a great customer experience? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you have these big goals as a business, then you should also invest into making this a good customer experience because otherwise you're not going to get there. Exactly. Same with, the logo, yeah. same with the logo, right? Yeah, exactly. I think what is also um, maybe interesting is if you focus on a logo with a project, then maybe there's already an identity in place, right? There's already a corporate identity in, in yeah. place. Sometimes maybe, I don't know, sometimes you actually have the ability to work also and change the corporate identity based out of the logo. But how do you, if you focus on a logo and so if there, there, there is maybe already some, some either visual biases from the corporate identity that they maybe give you, or there is maybe a bias also from their subjective one, just from the, what they have in mind. And how do you kind of, how do you kind of educate the client towards, you know, maybe almost auditing it, maybe if you want to maybe get more creative freedom with what you want to do based out of the friction that may come into the process in the beginning, either to their subjective assumptions and maybe yeah. ideas or maybe sort of the corporate identity that is maybe already in place when you focus on the logo? Yeah, I mean, that's a good, another good question. I mean, I, I would classify that as um, redesign. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who will come to me and they will already, they they've been running for 10 years, they might have been running for three years, 20 years or whatever it is. And yeah, they'll have a very established emotional tie to, to what they've got. So that is not always easy to break. That is not always easy to um, separate somebody from, you know, this logo has got me to where I am now. I love it. It's my thing, you know. And if they kind of say stuff like this, I'm like, well, why am I here? You know, firstly, <laughs> if you love it, yeah. what, why change it? Um, and it's actually more about trying to get them to understand that the reason that I am there is because there is something wrong. So that's mm -hmm. kind of like the first hurdle to get through. And then it's about, I mean, a, a lot of the time, you know, technology has moved like at a crazy speed. You know, it moves quicker than anything else. Um, devices, um, applications, you know, it's all moving so quickly. So you think of a company you started 20, 30 years ago, you know, they are very much, you know, their logo was built for a very different world, you know, a world that mm -hmm. wasn't so online. Maybe it had a website, if you're lucky, but probably not. So When I'm working with some quite older established brands, they, yes, there is that personal time, but there's also an understanding that they, to survive another 30 years, they need to start making changes. They need to 
have a responsive logo. They need to adapt. They need to think of smaller sizes. Um, so I think that's kind of like, like I said, you're never going to get somebody to break. Yeah, it's like, you know, you can't get somebody to break up with their wife. Do you know what I mean? They love it. They love their wife. There's, you know, sometimes you just got to say, well, what happens if your wife was wearing makeup today? Do you know what I mean? You know, how can, how can we spruce her up a little bit? Um, so obviously there's loads of things we can kind of do to kind of balance that, that energy of like, I don't want to change it. I love it to, well, these are the things we need to do. You can kind of prove how it doesn't work in certain places and that often, you know, you could do something as simple as like just getting their old logo, which isn't responsive, putting it on a social media profile image, tell them to see if they can read it, show them this is what everybody else is seeing. And I think there are great ways that you can kind of provide that immediate kind of realization that we need to change here. Um, but also, like, there are also things you don't necessarily, you don't, for example, have to. You know, I think the best redesigns are more evolutions, you know. So if you look at Disney, if you look at some of like the other like Coca-Cola, some of the biggest brands, you know, they've they haven't ever ripped everything up and started again. They've they've evolved and they've worked on how something can respond in certain situations, whether it be adaptability to size or product or whatever it is. So Whenever I am doing a redesign, I'm always very wary of history. And I think history is very important because history gets people. That's what people remember. You know, people love that. Um, and so that's where the emotional attachment is. It's the history. So are there things that we can retain? Can we retain colors? You know, yes, it's a, a script or a handwritten or a typographical logo, you know, is there a way that we can just smarten that up so it works at smaller sizes, you know? Can we add a symbol to that same style type? You know, there are certain, like, just because you're redesigning doesn't mean you're redoing, do you know what I mean? So I think that's a lot of, you know, sometimes a lot of confusion there is like, um, and that's also a great way, like, like you were mentioning, to like get, clients on board you know i understand the history i understand what you've done to get this company to where it is but what we need to do now and the reason i'm here is because we want to be lasting another 30 years so what are the things we need to do and you kind of break down you know what the things we need to achieve well yeah we're definitely going to be looking to go more online and get into social media more okay so these are the formats the logo needs to work it doesn't do that at the moment. Um, your car, you know, we can keep colors. You know, say you can keep, you know, like I said, like brand. You know, we think of the word brand is huge. Brand identity is a small part of that. Logo is an even smaller part of that. So the way people, the way they talk to people doesn't have to change. You know, the way that they share information doesn't have to change, but maybe the way that we visualize that can change. Do you know what I mean? So they can retain so much. And actually change a little bit to make real, real headway. I would, I would suggest anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I think it's so good to look at the history. Uh, like, and I think we can like learn a lot if we're digging into that topic for a little bit. You are mentioning Disney and Coca Cola, some great 
examples for how a actually very mature brand, even in these days, where there's a lot of simplification happening, oversimplification in many yeah. ways, uh, they really, they really uh, sustain their identity. I think with their with everything they have been doing, even Disney moving more into the digital space, I've been yeah. sort of like keeping that with Disney Plus, etc. I think mm -hmm. it's it's very interesting. Then on the flip side, you have sort of the I don't know if there's a term for it, but the Helveticization, basically. So basically, <laughs> uh, all logos becoming basically uh, like using some form of Helvetica, maybe yeah. a different type. But if you know, if you look at multiple logos, for example, Airbnb, for example, being one, Airbnb, I think still has like a really strong identity. I think we're to yeah. with the logo, but I think like the way they use the font, the, the the font. But there are many other examples that you know better than me that have been in recent years becoming very flat, very, very much Helvetica. Uh, you can see this with the automotive brands as well as they're moving more to digital. They have been all removing a lot of their identity. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Is it, is it, is it, is it a fact that brands go digital? Uh, how do you feel about that overall trend that you can, can maybe see there? Because I feel like specifically the strong identity, you can see it with some of the logos that are behind you, can really help specifically in an early point, right? To get a strong, to get a strong identity that people actually remember, right? And actually, it has maybe, maybe it needs to have more identity in the beginning, and then maybe, maybe it has to be more sort of accessible, maybe in the in the long run. That's why some of these brands moving in this direction. Maybe you can shine some light in terms of like what do you see and how do you feel about that overall. Well, how the world's moving, logo-wise. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I think they did go through a stage of like, la there was a la lazy branding, lazy brand identity. I think like, like you call it the Helveticization or whatever. Yeah. If, you, if you look at something like yeah. Facebook, for example, or you know, I don't know. There's there's many other examples, but you know, just a, an F, you know, Google. You know, yes, they're kind of, they're kind of, they're so iconic now that I don't think it even matters. You know, they're it's more about their products than their than their logo, um, and obviously now Meta, you know, and all the rest of it. But you know, I think there was a stage where it got very lazy, and it was just purely, you know, we've got so much money that it doesn't really matter. Possibly, I don't know, but um, I think I think when it comes to the digital world, like you say, people people have got this kind of perception that every logo has to be clean. Every logo has to be minimal. Every logo has to be simple. But the problem with that is that every logo designer and every company has gone clean, minimal, and simple, and they all look the same. So there's very little differentiation. You know, you could put four or five logos together and not really get any emotion any feel any there's no memorability to them you could show me five take them off the screen and i wouldn't be able to name them again do you know what i mean so i i understand like why that was initially you know a, a lot of designers are still like well a logo has to work as a favicon you know which is obviously like the little 16 yeah. by 16 pixel in a well that, that's that's turd as well do you know what i mean it doesn't it doesn't have to work in a favicon you know it's just something that's not how you that's not how you start right? you don't start well, exactly you don't yeah. start on a 16 by 16 p i mean it's all rubbish you know but what's happened is somebody's read that 
by some expert online and then that gets social media and everybody suddenly suddenly thinks that there's some sort of educated guru on design because they read it from somebody else. But, you know, I think what this conversation does, you know, I'd imagine like, let's talk about like a decade ago, you know, the screens were still good, but they weren't the high resolution that they are now. Um, you know, logos were going a lot smaller 10, 15 years ago, and there was a need for simplicity because there was this over energized urge that everything has to work small but now everything's you know like phones aren't doing this anymore they're doing this again do you know what i mean you know some people's phones are bigger than the ipad mini i had you know back 15 years ago whatever it was so you know size i think there is a minimal size you know um but i like to think of the more shapes. So whenever I'm designing a logo, I, I think of like squares and I think of circles. I don't think of small and minimal. I think of like, how will this work in a square? How will this work in a circle? Because if you think of, you know, favicons or social media profiles or Twitter profiles or LinkedIn profiles or whatever, headers on your website, yada, 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 you're often talking that a logo needs to fit somewhere in a shape like this. Obviously, if it's super detailed, you know, and you're going for like crazy illustration and crazy detail, the more you're going to shrink it down, the more it's not going to work. Um, but that's, we're kind of going off point here. But I suppose when it comes to design, I think now with how clear and how, you know, ultra HD, 4K, 5K screens, you know, these things are high quality, you know, super high quality and things look absolutely epic small. And I often think like, you know, if you can read copy on a website, you know, your logo is going to be 10 times the size of copy on a website. So why worry so much about the size of a logo? You should be worrying more about the size of the type on your website, for example, or the copy. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I suppose when it kind of comes to, you know, what does that mean? I, I think, I think what, and something that I've learned from working with, like, say, over 800 clients in the last seven or eight years, um, is that people are looking to stand out, you know, putting an F, you know, in a blue box will not make you stand out now. You know, people are looking for, yeah, people are looking to be slightly different, you know, and people are looking to, I mean, it was not that it was easy, but 20 years ago, if you had enough money, you could be seen everywhere. Now, you don't need to have a lot of money to be seen everywhere. So the competition has risen so much because of reach thanks to things like instagram pinterest all these other bits and pieces so mm -hmm. what people are wanting is like how can people remember me which is why some people go like super risky do you know what i mean some people like push the boundaries purely to shock people because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're remembering me for the wrong reasons. It just matters that you're remembering me. Mm, so, um, yeah. yeah. So I think, I think memorability, I think people want to stand out, you know, you know, everybody's, you know, Instagram are stealing everything from TikTok at the moment, you know, Instagram is now basically TikTok and all you've got 
is people dancing on camera to music. You know, that was great when that first person did it and blew up, went absolutely mad, absolutely viral. Now, every twat is dancing on TikTok and Instagram and everybody looks the same. Do you know what I mean? So what's different? You know, that's what people are looking for. They're looking for what's next, what's different, you know. And I think clever logo design can do that with with a bit of narrative, do you know what I mean, rather than just simple stuff, do you know what I mean, so. That's a good, that's a really good point. And I think this is connecting to a lot of things in design. I think that uh, this urge to stand out, that urge to provoke, uh, because the world is becoming so noisy. Essentially, you need to push the boundaries and you need to be provocative, maybe. And some truth yeah. that path. If you look at the, like if you take an example, the Tesla pickup uh, exterior design, for example, right? This is a provocation if you, if you think about like traditional exterior design of cars. If you think mm -hmm. about, uh, you know, I think like, um, I think like a lot of people say like, okay, there is, there is no, no negative press, you know, press is press, you know, <laughs> positive yeah. or negative, right. Uh, in these days, uh, in terms of marketing, right. Um, yeah. that's all press know, is good it, press. Yeah. You could connect to that maybe to, you know, some of the things with Trump maybe. Right. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, uh, kind of the, the, the current, Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you thing. look at, yeah, you look at any, for example, like you, like you were just saying, like all press is good press. I mean, to a state, to an extent, yeah. yeah I mean, depending on what you do, but if you're in front of people, uh, you know, like take Trump for example, whether you agree with him or don't agree with him, um, I personally don't. But airtime you know, on camera all the time, in all the tabloids. Yeah, that's only making his brand do this. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, depending on what he's done. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, I think it's, you know, I think there is a fine line between, you know, good press and bad press because bad press can kill some people. Do you know what I mean? But sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think like, you, the point is that it is about being... It's not necessarily about being the best. It's sometimes just being the loudest. Oh, iconic. You could, you could yeah. say iconic as well. But yeah, yeah. I think like, yeah. Uh, and I think specifically, I think for young brands, for young companies, it's important to be iconic with, to really stand out, right? Especially if you're going to sort of like a red market, sort of busy market where you're trying to enter, like, you know, let's say you have a software company, you're doing a solution that, you know, other companies are also doing. So how are you standing out and not by having the same logo uh, yeah. than the others, right? So I think I think it's an important element. Uh, yeah. Something that you can actually control yourself, right, as a company. Uh, and uh, some of a lot of other things on the product are maybe due to user needs and, and, and functional needs, et cetera. But that's something you can really control. Yeah. You talked a lot about process. I think if we looking into the uh, the process here of uh, James Martin, basically. Uh, so like your, all of your learnings, basically, that you gain all, all of years. How does a good process, if you would guide the audience a little bit, what do you, what do you learn? Like, what is a good, of course, now you can, you would like to talk 10 hours now to talk yeah. about <laughs> the good process. But if you give us a five, five minute version of it, a three minute version of it, how does a good, what does a good process contain from your perspective? Maybe pointing out, things that people usually forget to include? Yeah. Um, well, 
So I'll start off by kind of dropping this in there, that there's a big difference between client experience and client process. Um, client process is you is getting somebody to a desired endpoint, I would suggest. And the client experience is how much do they enjoy that process or what did they, how did that process make them feel? Because, you know, a good uh, people will forget a product but they'll remember an experience. So I think this is something that a lot of uh, creators or creatives or designers or anybody listening should really think about is how fun, how easy, how, you know, how does it, how am I making the client feel? Because if I'm making them feel good all the time and they're enjoying it, they're very much likely to remember me more than the logo I've done for them. So that's something that I always think about is how can I make that experience, you know, always being on time for calls, you know, always being positive on emails, you know, um, always delivering stuff on time, you know, always reaching back out to them and saying hi even when I finish the project, you know, all of these things really up the client experience. And what that mm. does, obviously, is it, makes people a come back you know makes people refer you it's much easier to keep a client than it is to find a new one and if you've got a load <laughs> of clients client. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah if yeah. you've got a load of clients finding you and have friends who are pointing people in your direction you're on to winner so that's something i just wanted to add in before i forget it forgot sorry was mm -hmm. the importance of client experience within your process because so i think it's such a um an important an important thing, an important some, uh, an important asset to a designer. If you can give that that experience, you're onto a winner. But that comes through process, weirdly enough, you know. Because if you've got no process, you're fumbling around, you're late to everything, you can't create any ideas. You're not. They're not going to have a good experience. Do you know what I mean? So when it comes to, I mean, obviously, I'll, I can talk about my brand identity process, client process. So. Obviously, after they've been onboarded, so after they've agreed my terms, um, agreed to the price, agreed to the way I work. So um, everything always starts with a call. So like a Zoom call where we will chat about objectives, what we need to achieve. Um, we'll go into a little bit of, I wouldn't say it's not like a strategy call, but it is, you know, the what's the hows, the whys, you know, trying to understand the kind of nitty gritty of why they do what they do, who they do it for, the audience, you know, what is it they do, what the services they provide, you know, how do they help people, you know, understanding these questions are, you know, really important for me to be able to do the job that I do. Um, so I also send them like a what I would classify as like a brief questionnaire. So before we jump on the call, I've got a pretty good understanding of what it is they do, who they do it for, what where the logo needs to be applied and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I also ask for a mood board and that could even be Notion, Pinterest, Milano, whatever it is. Um, some people just send me a Google doc or whatever. And it just helps me understand the visual personality of, maybe some of their past brands, how it's evolved, you know, what logos they like, who their competitors and all that kind of stuff. So after that, after the call and after we've discussed all of that, I then go into a sketch phase. 
Um, so I like to kind of call that like rapid prototyping where, yeah. you know, um, so, so sorry, there's a step before that. So just before that, obviously I've got the brief and I'm breaking that brief down. I'm word mapping. So that's basically, I'm trying to dissect all the information from the call, all the information from their brief. Um, and I'm trying to break down the golden nuggets of what are the things I can visualize? You know, what are the, you know, they're talking about being honest and impactful and creative. How can I visualize these things within a brand identity? So these are all the kind of bits and pieces I'm doing when I'm breaking down the design brief and breaking down my kind of ideas into words. Um, Once I've kind of got a good group of words that I think I can start to think about. I then go into like the rapid prototyping stage, which is just lots of random sketches, you know, super quick, no real thoughts, just like, okay, how can I visualize X? How can I show Y? How can I, how can I, if they're like a product based or service based, how can I emote the right feelings, you know, if they're if they're looking to be kind and soft and approachable, you know, what are the things that emulate that? You know, if I was trying to do something soft and approachable, I wouldn't be doing any kind of sharp, jaggedy lines. Do you know what I mean? Or if I was, you know, I'd probably be doing more circular shapes and smooth flowing shapes, you know, if I want to emote that softness um so yeah basically after that i then go into like a defining and refining my idea phase uh so there's always like one idea from my sketch process that i think ticks all the boxes so i get that up vector it up then i start to show it working on in what i would classify as real world mock-ups you know so if i'm doing work for a cafe i'll be showing it working on signage menus cups you know apparel you know takeaway bits and pieces anything that can help me build a picture um, for the client and then obviously i present everything um and the reason i kind of like to go like full ass into like one idea rather than kind of half ass a load of ideas mm-hmm. is kind of purely because it allows me to sell the concept you know, a client has come to me with a problem you know, it's my job to find a solution. Yes, there are feedback. You know, if they don't like what I present, there are processes like revision processes and all the rest of it. But, you know, I like to kind of, it's really difficult to come up with one good idea, let alone five good ideas. So, and because I, the way I like to create my work is through a lot of storytelling, narrative, like adding journey and personality, like leaning into one epic design I find is very effective, especially for me and my clients. It works every time. Every logo you've seen of mine has been done with this process. So, um, and every logo that everybody goes to see on Made by James or on my website has been done with this process. And it has never failed me. Um, it allows me to have real focus and, and clarity. And I think the really important thing to kind of mention here is my process works for me, you know, but it won't work for everybody. Do you know what I mean? And there are a thousand ways to create a logo. Some people share sketches first. Some people share three or four concepts. I know people like me who share one concept finished. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's the beauty of design is it doesn't matter 
how you get to the outcome. It's whether the outcome is good. That's the only important thing. You know, does it do a job? Is it effective? Does it work for the audience? You know, I like to think about like, do I like it? You know, my theory is if I, you know, I kind of like to think that I'm in, you know, this is my brand. If I'm doing a design for any other company, I'm thinking this is my company. I treat them like they're my own. I'm like, does it look good? I think I've got a pretty good, you know, you know, reputation within the design world now that I think if I think it looks good, I know other people will think it looks good. Yeah. So that's the kind of way I like to kind of roll is like there's, you know, I think as, as long as it does an effective job, it doesn't matter how you get there, you know, as long as you get there. And ultimately, like, like for example, like Instagram, social media is so funny. You know what I mean? Like I can put out a design and somebody will go, oh, I don't really like it. And I go, don't really care. You're not my client. They've paid me. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you're not the audience, you know, it's yeah. not yours. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It's whether it does a job, which it does. So quite interesting. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And uh, yeah, like um, thinking about the audience, I think is key, right? Like you said in the very end, like, yeah, may you, maybe you don't like it, but you're not the audience, right? So yeah, like focusing on the audience with with everything that you sort of judge um, in terms of design totally uh, makes sense because you know otherwise we'll never understand how did the, how did you actually came there with a pro in terms of the process. So yeah, and I think I totally agree with with uh, what you said. It like the process is really different to you know, like it it maybe is similar and the same and on sort of the big the big theme of things. Yeah, but in yeah. sort of like the way you kind of like this client experience that you actually like the way you call it is connected to the way you design is connected to how you communicate how you kind of like work in terms of the rhythm depending on a lot of different things so uh, everyone and i think like a, i think there's a, a quote around like you know if you know the rules you know how to break them right <laughs> so yeah. basically yeah. so essentially you know i think this requires a certain design maturity to and that's just, i think a problem a lot of juniors have is that they they google process and then they try to force this process to a project where it maybe doesn't make sense right <laughs> to have yeah. to, to, to for, for for your client base or uh, what the context is so being able to understand what the process and being able to to kind of make it make it uh, make it work for you i think right and yeah i um, think i think dropping like i think there's a lot of ego when it comes to design, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, you know, when I was a lot younger, I used to think I was right all the time. And a lot of younger, fresher designers will go through that. You know, a client will go, I not, I don't really like it. And they'll go, well, I'm the designer and you're not. Do you know what I mean? And I think, I think dropping the ego is such a big thing for designers because, Yes, although we are there to create and come up with ideas and execute a brief for our client, you know, you have to remember that your client's happiness is just as important. Do you know what I mean? So obviously, if they're asking for something stupid, you know, don't do it, you know, explain to them, but don't just say no, just explain to them why not. You know what yeah, I mean? If they're like, well, key, I, that's key. Yeah. yeah, if I want it to, I want it to be pink because my daughter likes it. Well, then you say, well, shouldn't she be on the next meeting then? Do you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I think 
you know, I think what you've got to do is you have to listen to your clients, you know, because ultimately if you can make them happy, you know, I've, I've kind of gone through like design processes and design stages where I am not overly enamored with the final outcome, but it's done a great job for them. They're really happy. Their audience really like it slash don't really care. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, the product's good and all the rest of it. But even though what I did and I executed it, it was the execution was great. For me, I was like, I, I personally don't like it, but I'm I wasn't their audience. I you, wasn't you, their audience. But you understand it. You can abstract it basically and understand like why the needs there for the audience, you think, right? Exactly. Then, yeah. And I think dropping business. like not everything. Not everything that leaves your desk and leaves your studio, you are going to love. And I think when you understand that, design becomes a much easier commodity. The I mean? issue there is also detaching yourself from the design, right? I think like as yeah, a, I think we, I think that, the design, does... especially as a young designer, you have it under your your arm. You like you know, it's it's part of you, right? And then like if someone criticizes it, it's like someone is hurting you. But actually, it's just, you and the design are two different things. This sounds kind of sounds kind of straightforward, but it's actually educational. It's yeah. kind of something people have to learn. And uh, yeah, and you yeah. Have, and you learn by being wrong, ultimately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, James, how can people get in touch with you? What would be the best way if they get have more questions about your design process? Um, yeah, well, you can find me at made.by.james on Instagram, on Pinterest. Um, The beauty of it is now um, I've been around for a while that if you just type in made by James into Google, you'll find me. My bearded face will pop up somewhere. But um, yeah, the madebyjames.com. Yeah. And made by James online. Um, I answer every comment, every DM, every question. So if you've got any others, come find me. Cool. Awesome. So you're going to find the links also in the, in the show notes. So James, Thank you so much for you know sharing all of these insights, really digging deep into brand design and and sort of like uh, uh, getting some insights from all of the experience and learnings you made. So really would like to thank you in, uh, in regards of the audience for your time. Yeah, it's been um, it's been great fun. Uh, we haven't even touched the surface, so I think yeah. we'll have to do a um, version two early next year. Yeah, yeah, sure, let's blend it. All right, that was the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you give it a thumbs up and let me know in the comments about your thoughts and biggest learnings from the episode. I'm always super curious about that. You can also tag me in a post about your biggest takeaway and share your insights with others to pass on your learnings. If the episode provided you a lot of value, make sure to follow, subscribe and share it with friends and colleagues so they also have the chance to learn and grow. Until next time, cheers.